Welcome to the UM's Connected Podcast, a resource offering spiritual formation in the Wesleyan tradition through a metaverse community. I'm your host, Steve Harper. We're continuing our series on the word connected. We're a movement named UM's Connected. And so as we launch this new movement, we thought it would be appropriate to see what insights we can get from the idea of a movement that's connected. In the last episode, we looked at the word connection in the Wesleyan tradition. Methodism was often referred to as the connection, even back then, with no access to the kind of technology that we have today, the Wesley still understood the Methodist movement as a way of connecting people who were otherwise feeling disconnected, of uniting people who were feeling disunited. So, when we brought UM's Connected into being a few months ago, we thought that that title would not only represent what we're trying to do in the 21st century, but it would connect with what the first Methodists did in the 18th century. If you're listening to this podcast as a new listener, I hope you'll go back and listen to the first episode, an overview of UM's Connected. It will tell you what the movement aims to do and what the resources are that we have to offer to you. And it will help you understand why we believe a movement like UM's Connected is needed as the new United Methodist Church emerges in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. After that uh, overview session, I began a series on the word connection. Uh, the last episode, we looked at the word in, in the Wesleyan heritage. And in that presentation, I mentioned that Methodism was not a denomination. It was a movement. It was not until after uh, John Wesley died in 1791 that uh, uh, the Methodist church in, uh, in Great Britain came into existence. 1784 over here in the colonies. But uh, late in the development of Methodism did we understand it as a church or in the sense that we think of as a denomination today. In the same way, UM's Connected is, is a movement. It's not a denomination. It's not a substitute church. Though for some people, we're already discovering that Affiliation with UM's Connected is providing them a sense of home during a time when they're otherwise feeling homeless. So what I want to do today is pick up on that notion of connected as a movement. I believe that the Wesleys intentionally formed early Methodism along the lines of third order movements. Now, if that's a new phrase for you, just Google third order movement and you'll have everything you need to look at the history of third orders in the Roman Catholic Church and in the Protestant tradition as well. So I'm not going to go into an historical review of third orders except to say 
that I believe the Wesleys were developing Methodism akin to the spirit and substance and structure of third order movements. That's what I want to focus on today. When I talk about Methodism as a movement, I'm always um, indebted to Dr. Melvin Dieter. He was a colleague of mine, and we were talking about Methodism one day, and he's the one who said, well, Steve, you do understand that Methodism was a, a third order within the Anglican Church. I'd never thought about that before, but he put Velcro on my mind, if you will, and since then, a lot of things have stuck to that. Uh, other people have added to that notion so that I'm confident that when we talk today about connected Methodism as a movement, we're talking about something that's absolutely accurate. But the question is, how did the Wesleys understand that? And how does their understanding help us to understand what UM's connected can be and is called to be in the 21st century. We're going to mix all that together today, and parts of it I'm sure we'll be returning to in future podcast episodes, but this four or five weeks that we're spending focusing on the word connected are going to kind of be a 35,000-foot overview of the idea and the inspiration that connects the 18th century and the 21st century. So let's uh, let's use the rest of our time together today to think about connected as a third order movement. And the way to do that, I think, is to begin with the two words, third order. And what you understand or what you discover about third orders is that they understood themselves to be movements within the church. For example, if you think of the Franciscan tradition, uh, you'll understand that even though people became affiliated with the Franciscan movement, they were always part of the Roman Catholic Church. And so, even in Methodism in the 18th century, Methodists were part of a movement, but they retained their membership in an established church. In fact, when you look at early Methodism, you discover how ecumenical it really was. And we're going to be saying more about that later in this uh, four or five weeks of episodes. But for today, uh, you can look at the Methodist movement and you can see that there were members of the Church of England. There were Puritans. There were Lutherans. Um, there were Presbyterians. There were Quakers. Um, there were people in what we would call independent or non-denominational congregations. It's precisely because the early Methodist movement was a third order. It was a little church within the big church. In Latin, that was referred to as ecclesiola in ecclesia. Richard Rohr has written some about it uh, today. He says it's, it's Christian community that exists on the edge of the inside. I like that. It's a Christian community that exists on the edge of the inside. It has a simplified existence. It's not in competition with the established church, 
but is more of a renewal movement, a life together experience within the larger institutional church. One of the things, for example, that we we see in third order movements that that uh, we can also trace through early Methodism and is part of United UM's connected today is that it's it's comprised mostly of laity. Um, there are clergy who who uh, also affiliate and who provide various counsel and leadership and pastoral care and all that kind of thing. But but the movement itself is a movement of grassroots Christians who who band together in order to be formed in their faith in the Wesleyan tradition. That's the vision, to be a little church in the larger church. And to do that kind of on the edge of the inside where there is faithfulness on the one hand, but challenge and growth on the other side of that equation. There's also a mission in third orders, and that's transformation. They exist in the church as it is, but they don't intend to leave it as it is. Now, John Wesley didn't go out uh, day after day directly confronting the institutional church. And UM's Connected is, is not wanting to do that either in the 21st century. But neither are we satisfied with the institutional status quo. God gave to the Wesleys a vision of spreading scriptural holiness across the land. In some ways, that was conforming or continuing things that already existed. But in other ways, it was doing things new, things that were innovative, things which even challenged the ecclesial status quo. We're going to find, as UM's Connected grows in the days to come, that all of those dynamics will be part of the movement, just as they were in early Methodism. In the 18th century, that transformative mission has sometimes been described using three words that begin with the letter R. First, reaching the marginalized. That's one of the things we discover in the early Methodist movement is, is it just was made up of what we call today the nuns and the duns. People who had once been part of the institutional church but had dropped out and were, were, were not really participating to any great degree in its life. And even some people who didn't want to have anything to do with established religion at all. Methodism had an open door to those people because back to Rohr's term, on the edge of the inside, you can see those people. If if you go too far inside institutional Christianity, you can lose sight of all the people who don't want to have anything to do with it. You can become so focused on maintenance that you can lose the sense of mission. Early Methodism didn't do that. It stayed close enough to the edge so that it was faithful to the Christian tradition, but also creative in extending that tradition to people who had previously had little or nothing to do with it, reaching the marginalized. We're already finding in some of the expressions of UM's Connected that it's developing community and life together among people 
who have have not been long-term United Methodists or long-term Christians. There's something about the vision of life and the vision of a vital faith that's attracted to people, whether or not they've had a long experience in the institutional church or not. So that first R is reaching the marginalized. The second is renewing the church. I've already spoken to that, so I'll just comment and then move on, that the church is is not perfect. In fact, any group of people who have what's sometimes called a pure church mentality are the very ones who often fail to understand that there never has been a pure church. There's not going to be one now. Uh, The United Methodist Church has plenty of faults and failures, and as we move toward General Conference in 2024 and as we develop our life as, as a new United Methodist Church in the future, we're going to be getting some of those problems solved. We're going to be getting some of those knots out of the net. We are going to become an increasingly inclusive community defined by love in ways that uh, we have not always been, uh, at least in our lifetime for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Uh, that's why I've taken Jeremiah's words in chapter 29:11 as, as one of the defining verses of UM's Connected. God said to the prophet, I'm going to give you a future filled with hope. And I believe that's true for the emerging new United Methodist Church. Uh, I believe ours is a future filled with hope. But part of that hope is renewing. We're going to be a new wineskin denomination to hold the wine of God. Uh, Despite our best intentions along the way and all of the sins that we've committed against the gospel and all the ways that we fail to watch over one another in love, um, our wineskins get dry and brittle and they crack and they leak. And so periodically God just raises up new movements to be new wineskin endeavors. I believe UM's Connected is going to be one of those. And I believe the new United Methodist Church is going to be a new wineskin expression of Christianity because the renewal of the church is something that never ends. It's ongoing. The third dimension of the mission was the reformation of society. Here's the social holiness dimension of Methodism. Here's the social justice tradition that runs from the very beginning of Christianity itself and even previous to that in the Jewish tradition. That that the world as it is, is in need of change. And so through uh, the means of grace, particularly the works of mercy, the early Methodists were involved in spreading scriptural holiness across the land and reforming the nation's conscience as they did so. That's what third orders do. That's what St. Francis did and St. Clair did in the Franciscan movement of their day. It's what the Wesleyans did in Methodism in the 18th century. And it's what we are aiming to do in UM's Connected a third order community. Now, movement is the second word. That tells you what our intention is and what our means 
for achieving that intention are going to be. Let me make just a few comments about that in this episode. And again, we'll come back to a lot of this in future podcasts. When we talk about a movement, we're talking about the spirit of something. A movement is a spirit. Uh, Have you ever been to a concert or to a sporting event when it was almost like there was a crowd spirit? There was a crowd movement. Sometimes, you know, we even do the wave around around a stadium. There's there there can be literal movement, but it's 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 a physical expression of something going on in the spirit of the people who are in attendance. Same thing is true of a movement. There's a spirit. Wesley called it the Catholic spirit. The Catholic spirit. It was a spirit of ecumenism, as I've already pointed out in the previous point, where people of all faith traditions could come together under the umbrella called Methodism, and they could be formed by the flow of grace into increasing Christian maturity. That that ecumenicity. It uh, was a spirit of inclusion. Oh my, the diversity of races and genders and classes. All kinds of people were under the umbrella of Methodism. In fact, John Wesley was, was so universal in his faith that he said, if your heart is as my heart is, give me your hand. That's leaping right all over all the labels of liberal and conservative and Protestant and Catholic and Orthodox. And in, in some cases, Wesley even formed associations with, with people who were not of the Christian faith, but of other faiths, because their, their, their hearts were beating together around common things. And so Methodism is not only ecumenical, it's inclusive, it's Catholic, it's universal, it's not sectarian and divisive. It's, it doesn't begin with, with uh, how few people uh, qualify to be members, but how many people God is seeking to reach with this wide net called the kingdom of God. That's the spirit of a movement. It was the movement of early Methodism and it's the movement of UM's Connected. But then there's substance in that. It's not just touchy-feely spirituality. There's a whole theology of love. And we're going to really have to spend time on the substance of our faith in upcoming episodes. But today, we sum it up in the two great commandments. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And then manifesting that through the fruit of the Spirit. It's a substance ordered by grace, prevenient grace, converting grace, sanctifying grace, glorifying grace, moving us from awakening to attachment to advancement as we mature in the faith that God is giving us through Christ. And then, of course, there's the structures that express that substance. We talked about that in the last episode of how one of the geniuses of early Methodism was there was a structure for every dimension of grace. Prevenient grace in the societies, converting grace in the classes, sanctifying grace in the bands. There was, there was a structure for every part of the substance. And that's summed up in Wesley's phrase, watching over one another in love, going on to perfection, becoming entirely sanctified, totally devoted to God. All these ways we talk about maximum faith, not minimalism. The Wesleys wrote a hymn, Charles wrote a hymn called A Charge to Keep. 
And in that great hymn, which you should look at all the stanzas, but in that hymn, there is the phrase to serve the present age. That's the way for us to think about early Methodism as a movement. That's the way for us to think about UM's Connected as a movement. We have a present age. It's a different time that's never existed before, will never exist again. It's absolutely unique and unrepeatable. And we are called to serve it. We are the present age's servants for Jesus Christ's sake. As Paul said, he was to the Corinthians. So, we are connected. Connected last week, as we saw, with a great heritage called the Wesleyan tradition. Connected today to something even larger than that, to a third order movement that is seeking to be faithful to God in our day, just as the saints have been in theirs. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of UM's Connected Podcast. Hope you'll tune in again next week as we continue the journey, continue this series looking at the word connected and all of the richness that it has for us. Feel free to contact me about anything related to UM's Connected. My email address is umsconnected at flumc.org. Tell others about UM's Connected so that they can be part of this movement too.